Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to read from verse 5 through to verse 10. <clears throat> And then let's pray. Paul writes this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Last Sunday and this Sunday, we're kind of focusing on verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And we're asking, what does it mean to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith? What does that mean? How can we know if we are in the faith or not? And Paul does not specify exactly how it is that we are to examine our faith. <clears throat> but if we consider the two very serious issues that Paul is addressing in Corinth, I think we see that the examination he's calling them to and the examination he's calling us to is to examine the root of their faith and to examine the fruit of their faith. Last Sunday we looked at examining the root of our faith. Here's what's going on in Corinth. One of the major issues is there are false apostles who are literally trying to uproot the Corinthians' faith from the gospel of grace and replant them in a legalistic form of Christianity. Not Christianity at all. Paul says they're servants of Satan. But they're, they're branding it as a new and improved version of Christianity. And it comes this way. Jesus Christ began our salvation on the cross. We put our faith in what He began. And then we complete that work by keeping the law. So Jesus did some of the work, and then we do some of the work, and that sounds fair. But the truth is, if we add anything to the work of Christ, to the finished work of Christ on the cross, we empty the cross of its power to save us. If we try to add one good work, one keeping of the law, if we try to nail any effort on our part to the cross, Paul says we empty, we negate the power 
of the cross. So Corinthians, examine the root of your faith and make sure it goes deep into Christ and Christ alone. We are saved through faith in Christ. We are justified through faith in Christ alone. Examine the root of your faith to see if it is in Christ and Christ alone. But another aspect that he's addressing, I think, leads us to examine the fruit of our faith. Fruit is one of the ways the Bible describes the product of our lives, the product of our faith. And it's a very insightful metaphor because it connects, it makes the connection between what we do and what we are. Fruit comes from the root. A pear tree bears pears. An apple tree bears apples. Produces apples. You can take apples and you can staple them to the branches of a pear tree, but that will not make the pear tree an apple tree. It is a pear tree by nature. To the roots of it, it is a pear tree. Fruit speaks of our nature, not just our outward appearance. So it's not just what we do. It's what we produce, which comes from who we are, what we are. Jesus Himself said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. If someone's nature is bad, they may say good things, they may do good things, but ultimately the effect of them will be bad. Ultimately, the fruit they produce will be bad if the tree is bad. Conversely, if we are rooted in Christ, then the fruit of our lives will begin to look more and more Christ-like. So Galatians 5 describes the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to read this to you. Verses 22 and 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul then, in the same chapter, contrasts the fruit of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. In verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's the works of the flesh that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5. Now listen, remember that list and overlay on it the list that he describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 of what is going on in the Corinthian church. He writes, there's quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, disorder. He goes on to say there's impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality. 
comparing that list of what is going on, what he's concerned is going on in the Corinthian church, to the list of the works of the flesh, we understand why Paul says, make sure you are really Christians. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. If Jesus is living inside of you, the fruit you produce should look very different than that list. Now I mentioned last week that a lot of Christians, I believe many Christians, maybe most of us, at some point we struggle with doubt. We struggle with insecurity about whether we are really saved, whether we are really truly Christians. I think most of us do at some point. And for many, the point that they struggle with, the point that troubles them, is not the root of their faith. They have a strong confession in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have a strong belief in the Word of God and that Christ alone is the Savior. The point that troubles them, the point that that stirs their doubts in their hearts, has to do with the fruit or the lack of it in their lives. They feel they don't see enough evidence, enough fruit in their lives to assure them that they are Christians. So we're going to look at some thoughts about this, but my desire, brothers and sisters, is to stir in your heart not fear, not doubts, not insecurity, but faith. Faith. Because we don't want to examine the fruit of our lives with eyes of doubt and insecurity and uncertainty. The Father does not want His children living in a place of fear and uncertainty. He wants us assured, if we are truly His, that we are truly His. So I want to stir in our hearts as we look at the fruit of our faith, that we look at the fruit of our faith with faith and not doubt and unbelief. Faith that He who began a good work in you will complete it, will be faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. That's faith. That is a statement that stirs faith. And let's accept that. Let's believe that. Let's grab a hold of that with faith. Faith that the power of the Holy Spirit is working in you to produce fruit. And He's got more where that came from. So I want to encourage us to begin by examining. You say, how do I examine the fruit of my faith? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Begin by examining the type of fruit, not the amount of fruit. Okay, I want you to begin by examining the type of fruit, not the amount of fruit. We'll get to the amount of fruit in a minute, but if we aren't careful, we can... can, creep into a performance mentality where the examining of our fruit is there's fruit, but is there enough fruit? John D. Rockefeller once, the first American billionaire, by today's financial standards, he may well be the richest man who's ever lived. He had over a billion dollars in 1906 or whatever. Someone asked him, 
how much money is enough? And his answer was, just a little bit more. John D. Rockefeller wrestled with the fact that being satisfied with the amount of money he had was just always a little beyond his reach. If what we examine is the amount of fruit, assurance could always be just beyond our reach. How much fruit is enough? Just a little bit more. And our hearts can go on that treadmill where we're always thinking, yeah, I prayed, but I could have prayed longer. Yeah, I read the Bible, but I don't read the Bible as long as, as much as I should. Yeah, I do this. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, that's going on, but it's not very much. It could, in, in assurance, that sense of assurance that we belong to Christ and He belongs to us could always be just beyond our reach. How much fruit is enough to assure you? Just a little bit more. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there evidence of the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life? Is love growing? Is patience growing? Is there joy that's growing? Is there self-control? Is there kindness? growing in my life and again someone says yeah there is but but not enough uh-uh. leave leave the amount alone for the moment what's the type of fruit that's growing in your life pear tree doesn't become a pear tree when it bears a certain amount of fruit. The fruit is a product of what it is. It's not a pear tree because it bears fruit. It bears fruit because it's a pear tree. We aren't children of God because we bear fruit. We bear fruit because we are children of God. It is our nature. So even if you see small amounts of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, rejoice. You hear me? Rejoice. Stop beating yourself up and say it's not enough. Rejoice that there is evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life and believe with faith that you are a child of God and believe God to produce more fruit in you. But your faith, your faith is in the root, not in the fruit. The faith is in that Christ has purchased me. His work was sufficient for me. The faith is in the root. And then we believe God for fruit. Now, I've got to say this. On the other hand, if someone... Examining this question has to be honest and say, no, I actually don't see those fruits being 
born in my life. An honest assessment says there really is no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. If you find that your life is characterized by the works of the flesh and not by the fruit of the Spirit, there's none of the fruit of the Spirit growing. There's anger, there's, there's immorality, there's gossip, there's slander. The footprint you leave behind is division and rancor and broken relationships. And, and you see that this, and, and you have no fruit of the Spirit and your confession of faith has no effect on your life, then I want to encourage that person to let Paul's warning be a wake-up call to your soul. Not to just slide along. That's what Paul's doing. See, Paul, Paul believes most of them are Christians. That's why he's encouraging them. He's going to go on to encourage them. But he's putting something in there for those who are stepping away from the root who are ready to go into a legalistic form of religion, for those who are ready to live life just angry and hostile and jealous and breaking relationships and slandering and gossip, and there's no conviction and there's no change. He is putting a warning in there saying, you better wake up and you better examine yourself because you may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. And now is the time to examine your soul not wait for that ultimate examination day when it is too late. Eternity stretches forward and there is no changing the results of that examination. Now is the day. And if you find, if someone finds there is no fruit, there is the fruit of my life is rotten, if I'm honest. I don't see Christ. Nobody around me would say, I see Christ in you. Now is the time to turn and repent and turn to Christ in faith because now there is still hope. Now there is still time. So let the fear of God fill your soul. Turn and repent in, to Christ in faith. But for those of you who see fruit, not as much as you'd like, but you see fruit, this is my second encouragement. I want to encourage us, press for progress and go for growth. With faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Press for progress and go for growth. With faith in the Holy Spirit. Another way to say this is believe God and take initiative to grow more fruit. Believe God and take initiative. Paul says, don't you realize this about yourselves? Jesus Christ is living inside of you. The power of the risen Christ lives within you. Access that power and put it into action. Take initiative. Make every effort knowing that Christ is in you. Fruit is different than the root. See, I would never, ever encourage you to make every effort to add to your justification. I would never encourage you to try to add to your adoption or redemption through effort. The root is 100% Christ. He did it all. You're as justified the moment you're saved as you will ever be. 100%. We add nothing except our faith in Christ. That's the root. But the fruit is different. We can and we should make every effort to bear more fruit. 
Because we can have more fruit and we can have less fruit depending on what we do and what we believe. We believers can make progress or we can lose ground depending on what we do or don't do. And this type of doing and working and making every effort is not legalism. It's believing that Jesus lives in us and in being what we are. We're not doing it to become Christians. We're not doing it to be children of God. It's out of faith that we are children of God. Jesus said if we abide in Him, He will bear much fruit. We will bear much fruit to the glory of God the Father. If we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. Fruit bearing is not a matter of us trying real hard for God. It's a matter of us leaning hard upon God. Abiding in Christ. But that abiding and that leaning, when it comes to fruit, is not passive. We don't let go and let God. We go for it and let God. We take initiative and we let God. We believe God, and that belief in God turns into action, steps, real steps, real action, believing all the way that it's God that's working in us. We pray, but then we press forward. Prayer doesn't become all we do. We pray, then we get up and we press forward. We believe, so we act. Fruit is very different in our lives than root. Now I want to share two practical suggestions that I hope will will help us in this. Um, And I'm using the phrase, press for progress, go for growth, separately. Press for progress at the point of impact. Press for progress. I want to just, this is not like where we get it all at once. It's progress, okay? It's progress. It's like our lives progress. We progress in things. We progress in fruit. But press for progress at the point of impact. And here's what I mean. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens at the point of impact. Where do we learn to grow in the fruit of the Spirit of patience? When something is trying our patience. When your kids are driving you crazy for the hundredth time, That is the point of impact. Which fruit will you produce? Patience or impatience? That's when it says, we don't need patience when nothing is trying our patience. We're all patient. You all look patient to me right now. Maybe I am trying your patience. I don't know. But you all look patient to me right now. It's when something is pressing on our patience that the Spirit of God can come in and help us at that moment to grow fruit of patience. When we are in a long trial, you know what I mean? A long trial? Like, you've been praying, the trial remains. You've been believing God, the trial remains. Not just a day, not just a week, Maybe not just months. Maybe 
the trial has been on you for years. And your heart is tempted to say, does God not care? Does God not listen? Does God not, is He not able? What's going on? There is a fruit of forbearance which is to be under a pressure for a long period of time, you will never learn that fruit if you're never under pressure for a long time. You can't learn to be under pressure for a long time in a half hour. And so the weight remains on your shoulders. You pray, God, lift it. It doesn't lift. You say, God, change it. It doesn't change. And you learn to walk under the weight. And you learn forbearance. When someone treats you badly, speaks unkindly about you, that's the point of impact. Do you retaliate in kind? Or do you speak kind words in response? Love is the first of all the fruits. And Jesus tells us we're to love our enemies. That's the greatest point of impact. It's not that hard to love people who love us. But when someone hates you, when someone calls you an enemy, to love them and pray for them and do good to them, that's the point of impact. Which fruit will we produce? Now that takes a supernatural love. We can all produce love for people that we love. It takes a supernatural love of Jesus to love someone who hates us. That takes abiding in Jesus. It says, Lord, I don't have that in my heart. I need you to put that in my heart. But as we remember, Jesus died for us while we were yet his enemies. Maybe we begin to see enemies in a little different light. And we can pray for that person with a little different heart. We could go on, but we we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit at the point of impact. When our flesh wants to operate one way and the Spirit wants us to operate another way, those two will always war. But it's at the point of impact where we can go to God and say, God, help me to respond differently. Change my heart. Spirit of God, give me the power to be different in this situation. And I also want to remind us that it's about progress, not perfection. When we blow it, and we snap impatiently at our kids or at our spouse, or treat a a co-worker unkindly, that might be failure in a sense, but it is not final. Those are, if we have a sensitive heart to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, those can be amazing opportunities to learn. To learn. You see, you speak harshly. Now here's what we don't want to do. Speak harshly. Say something unkind. Hurt somebody. Walk away and say, I'm just going to keep moving. That's hardening our hearts. But as we hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that was not of me. That was not the heart of Jesus. That conviction to a tender heart says, I don't want to do it that way. We have opportunity to learn. We can go back to that person and ask for forgiveness, which is a wonderful opportunity for grace to flow. 
And then we can say, Spirit of God, would you help me do it differently the next time? You know how many years I've been trying to learn patience? I've only got so much runway left. But it's taken a lot of failures to get where I am now, which is not that impressive. Failure is not final. But I can look back and I see most of my growth is because I've blown it. And the Spirit of God has come back in and said, let's do that differently next time. What's your point of impact right now? I want to encourage you, believe that Jesus lives in you. That's what Paul's saying. Don't you know that Jesus lives in you? Believe that Jesus lives in you. Ask the Spirit to empower you to make better choices and bear good fruit. And secondly, I want to just encourage us, go for growth in good works. I mean, go for it. Go for good works. Do good works. And no, I have not just become a legalist. Like, uh, good works are not the enemy of grace. They are not. <clears throat> not when our faith is firmly rooted in Christ. If we're trying to get saved by good works, it is the absolute enemy of grace. If you're trying to do good works to get your way into heaven, that's get back to the root, Christ. But when our faith is firmly rooted in Christ and in His grace, go for the good works, folks. Go for the good works. The letter of Titus has some of the most beautiful declarations of Christ's saving grace and His righteousness and His mercy extended to us. But you know there is a strong theme throughout the letter of Titus that says, do good, do good. It's not an adversary to grace to do good. I want to read a couple verses from Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's what the grace of God has brought. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. We're seeing fruit here. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself, this is the Gospel, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good work. Jesus gave Himself to redeem us, purify us, and make us His own, and to make us zealous for good works. Zealous means all in. Zealous means I'm passionate about this. Zealous is the opposite of half-hearted. Yeah. It's like, I'm out for it. I'm going for it. I am going for growth. I'm going for good works. Zealous. Eager. Jesus living in us wants to energize us with zeal for good works. Galatians, the same book that vehemently calls us to reject salvation by works, also encourages us to do good works. Chapter 6, verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially 
to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. So what we have here is a zealousness for good works, seizing opportunities to do good for people, help people, show compassion, pray God's blessing upon people, lend a hand, share Jesus with people who don't know Jesus, care about their eternal state. Do good. Do good. Good is what's good for them, what, what love would do for them, what's benevolent to them. Do good. Practical, simple, very spiritual. Do good to others. We weren't saved by good fruit, but we were saved for good fruit. And I want to I encourage us, if we struggle with assurance, Here's the foundation I want to lay. If you struggle with assurance, look to Christ. Look to Christ. Begin by getting your eyes off yourself. Look to Christ. We are saved by Him. And no one who confesses Him as Savior, no one who trusts in Him and His finished work will be lost. But there is a biblical way for us to strengthen that sense of assurance in our heart. And if I could be, you know, just kind of put it in simple, if, if we're just saying I'm going to confess Christ as my Savior and then do as little as possible to live out this Christian faith. Listen, if your faith is in Christ, you're saved and you can be with the Lord. But you're probably not going to feel a whole ton of assurance. But if you go for it, not only does more fruit increase in your life, but that fruit abounds to assurance. Peter writes this in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort, every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge, you're growing things. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. Pause right there. You can see Peter saying, here's the fruits. Fertilize them, water them, add to them, make every effort, grow in these things, add to this, add this, add to that, add this, add to this, add that. Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing progress, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They keep your life from becoming unfruitful and ineffective as a believer. And verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Peter is not saying that we open the gates of heaven by adding these things to our lives. What he's saying is we begin to see our calling, the, the, the journey to those pearly gates becomes rich with joy, rich with fulfillment, rich with assurance, rich with fruit. The more we see our Father reflected in our lives, So go for it, he's saying. Add. Be diligent. Make every effort to assure the calling that God has placed on your life. Go for it. As we make every effort to bear more fruit of the Spirit, as we press for progress and we go for growth, it abounds in fruitfulness and that rebounds back to us with a sense of growing assurance and joy that we really are children of God. So this morning, with our roots firmly, deeply planted in Christ and the gospel of grace, let's go for it. Church, let's go for it. Let's make every effort to abide in Christ and bear the fruit that comes from abiding in Christ. To rely on the Spirit's power to change us and to use us to be what we are. Be who we are. And do the good that God has called us to do. Let's go for it. And let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we want to affirm again and again and again and again that our hope is in Christ. Our lives are built on nothing less. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Thank You, Lord, for saving us. We don't deserve it. We never will. We thank You, Lord, for the mercies that plucked us out of sin, plucked us out of death, plucked us out of lostness, and put us back on the rock, back on journey, back into relationship with God as our Father, adopted His children, redeemed us back to God, reconciled us back to God, justified us so we are righteous in the eyes of God, All of that we praise you, Jesus, for because we did nothing, nothing for that. But Lord, now we pray that also, firmly planted in that, we go for it. Lord, help stir in our hearts a desire to bear fruit. A desire to bear more fruit for the glory of God. To do good. To look for opportunities and not grow weary of doing good. Lord, bear fruit in our lives of patience when something's banging away at our patience. And love when something is tempting us not to love. Of kindness when we are tempted to be harsh. Lord, grow in us these qualities that we might look more like Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, work that in us. But Lord, we don't want to sit back and say, you do it all, Lord. We know that in this area, we have to provide 
every effort and work diligently. So help us this morning, Lord. Help us to leave here resolved not to work for our salvation. Help us also to leave here resolved to work to bear fruit for the glory of God. And Lord, we will give you, we truly will give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.